Hey everyone, this is Darren Isamoto, and you're listening to Foundation 411, the podcast for all things Cal Poly Pomona Foundation. All right, thanks for listening in, everybody. In this episode, we'll be recapping the Foundation Town Hall meeting that took place last week on Wednesday, February 10th. We'll be doing this over two episodes, with part one of that town hall meeting in this episode, and part two in an episode releasing next week. But before we get started, we've got February birthdays to recognize. This month, we're celebrating nine birthdays. Charlene Ashton, Regina Allison, Jermaine Hart, Jessica Lopez, Sam Carpenter, Angela Chavez Monroy, George Salinas, Claudia Berciaga Ramos and Ernesto Ivan Chavez. Happy birthday to you all. So now we'll recap part one of the Foundation Town Hall meeting that took place on Wednesday, February 10th. First, Executive Director Jared Seha addresses some changes to the daily health screener form. So you all should be extremely familiar with this particular. Uh, site or this particular screen, this screenshot from our website. Uh, Clicking that health screener uh, is something that's absolutely mandatory every day you come to campus, other than if you're coming as a customer. If it's a day off and you're going to the farm store or the IBW or the bookstore um, to make a, a purchase and you're staying in the customer areas, it's not necessary. But outside of that, every time you come to campus, it does need to be um, completed. I will say that there has been a little bit of confusion on the new first question. About three weeks ago, we added a question that essentially asked if you're scheduled to be here or if you just came on your own. So some folks have been reading it incorrectly or have been incorrectly selecting no um, when they actually mean to select yes. Each time that happens, I get a red flag email as do others that says, "Uh uh-oh, someone said no, but they're coming to campus. So please make sure that you and and your peers are reading the question thoroughly. If you're scheduled to work, your answer is yes to that first question. It's only if you're not scheduled to work and you're you're coming on your own that you would select no. And in those cases, you shouldn't be coming on your own unless you're coming as just a customer. Next, Director of Financial Services, Joanne Matthew, provided an overview of the budget. I'm hoping by now that the majority of you are aware that we've kicked off our budget process for fiscal year 21-22. As you can see on the budget table uh, on the left-hand side of the sheet, uh, the packets were made available to the budget leads on our website by the 20th of January. And those who are part of the process are in the stage of inputting the initial budget plan into the schedules as provided. That information is due by the end of this month. And uh, most of the information that is being inputted inputted into the budget is based on some key assumptions. Uh, So on the right-hand side, uh, I'd like to detail some of those assumptions. The good news is enrollment is up 1% and uh, the expected relevant numbers for each semester are, as you can see, detailed below uh, that first bullet. Uh, For the academic year for summer and fall of 2021 and spring of 2022. 
And then university housing is expected to be at 50% of the total. And village occupancy, uh, we're making, well, these are all assumptions, mind you. Village occupancy, uh, we are assuming we will be at 40% in the fall and 60% in the spring. We've also made some assumptions around foot traffic, keeping in mind a vast majority of the students will have some mix of uh, virtual classes along with in-person instruction. So that is uh, what's detailed on that bottom slide, a bottom bullet. I'm not going to read uh, the whole thing, um, but based on all of these and some additional assumptions, we're expecting to present a consolidated final draft to the board on May 11th as we prepare to kick off our new year in uh, on July 1st. Now, this is our budget process and I'm thinking uh, the majority of you know how this works. I also want to emphasize that budgeting and preparing for the budget and preparing the budget itself is a team effort. So if you see something or think of something that could be helpful in the planning for the upcoming year, please feel free to bring it up. If you see something that you do not understand in the process, you are again more than welcome to bring it up and ask the question. You are welcome to reach out to me as well, and I will make sure I do my best to assist you with uh, responding on that. Next was the Q&A portion of the meeting with pre-submitted questions read by Director of Bookstore Services, Clint Ossie. What is enrollment currently looking like for fall 2021? So as you saw, um, we are looking at 1% enrollment growth. So that's, that's really saying something. Many of our, our peer institutions throughout the nation and even within the CSU are declining and we, we are experiencing an upward trend. And that speaks to Cal Poly and who we are and, and what we do. And, you know, the foundation is a huge part of that. Uh, but the more important question is, or possibly for many of you, is foot traffic. And as you saw in the budget assumptions, I am estimating 30% foot traffic for the fall. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize 30% because that is my that's what I know based on the best information I can pull together. No one knows for sure. So it is an estimate, but it is an estimate that we're going to move forward and budget with. Uh, so it, so it's a soft number, uh, but you know, keep in mind that 30% of foot traffic doesn't mean only 30% of students will have classes on campus. I would venture that number will be quite a bit larger, but we'll see full schedules where a person has one class completely in person, one hybrid class and two, two online classes. So there are going to be students here, or the majority of students in all likelihood will be on campus at some point, but just not to the frequency that we've been accustomed to in past years. Um, so this, this will have an impact on our operation and impact we need to account for. But it, it all really comes down to what happens with COVID. Uh, if, the, if the trend continues to head in the direction it is now with falling numbers, though the likelihood of a larger percentage on campus grows. If uh, we have another spike, the likelihood decreases. So uh, COVID will really be a factor like it has with everything for the past year. How are foundation's finances to date? Any improvements since the last town hall? 
Yeah, as you know from the, from the last town hall, we did a reforecast in November that had us expecting to lose about 10 million this year. That's total foundation, all sponsored programs, grants, enterprise, admin. And while we have the reserves to cover a loss of 10 million, it would be extremely painful for us to hit that, that outcome. Fortunately though, things look far better today than they did back then. Um, thanks to your efforts and strong performance of our investment portfolio, we're well ahead of where we thought we would be at this point. So halfway through the year, we thought we would lose about ten, or about $5 million, so essentially half of the $10 million, but that hasn't been the case. So our loss thus far through December has been under $3 million. So, th so that's a significant step forward. In addition, we're expecting some CARES Act support and possible approval of the PPP loan, that's the Paycheck Protection Program loan, which together would mean an additional $3 million to aid us. Um, the new vaccination center is, is a lifesaver in more ways than one. We're already serving meals uh, today, three meals a day to medical professionals and volunteers that are working on site. In addition, a number of those professionals are now living with us at the village with more potentially to come. Um, this total value of the partnership could hit maybe 1.5 million in revenue by the end of this fiscal year. So thus, while things are still very difficult, we're, we'll finish the year much, much better than we initially expected. So really, you know, keep up the good work because it, it really does make a difference and we're seeing that in our results. Do you expect furloughs to continue after July? Is there any hope that we will bring back some of those laid off last spring? It's, it's difficult to set a hard date on the furloughs given that they're meant to be based on workload and customer demands. Uh, however, many of the furloughs are being reduced or eliminated now, thanks in, in large part to the vaccination center. Dining and hospitality have already restored hours to much of that workforce while recruiting members from other divisions to temporarily transfer over and, and do the same, provide that additional support. This also touches on our, our laid off colleagues. Uh, the goal has always been to get to a financial place where we can bring back some, some of those individuals. That's starting to happen now as well. We're evaluating our needs with the vaccination center and, and really going to see what opportunities are there and who we could potentially bring back even now. I expect that uh, we'll slowly begin to see some familiar faces return. And, Note that it may not be in the same position or the same capacity that they worked in before. Uh, many may be brought back as part-timers initially, so we can really make sure that we're not over-promising. Um, deciding to lay off people was, was the worst decision I've ever had to make. And to prevent us from ever going through that again, we, we must be responsible in the manner in which we're, we're rebuilt or how we, we grow to meet the increasing demands of the university. Uh, you all can help by generating added business, saving unnecessary costs, and providing the best service humanly possible, which I know many of you strive to do. Um, that means not finding, not only finding ways to help your unit, but also finding ways to support others. You know, shop at shop for groceries at the farm store. You know, pick up dinner for the family at IBW. Order a farm box from Agriscapes. You know, make a new tech purchase from the bookstore. Uh, live with us at the village if you're so inclined. Um, and encourage your friends to do the same as well. Every little bit really does help, and that will enable us to, to see more of those individuals that we've uh, unfortunately had to part ways with uh, quite a few months ago. 
when do or did we start paying sick time for student employees? I will pass this one to Diane Maldonado. Diane? Thank you, Jared. So we began paying sick time for student employees back on July 1st, 2020. Um, student workers now receive one hour for every 30 hour of work up to 24 hours in a year. And the entitlement begins 30 days well, on your 31st day. So you have to be employed for more than 30 days. And the other thing to keep in mind is, while we were providing this benefit to employees, this benefit is not meant to be used for um, other purposes, such as vacation time or personal time. This sick time is to be used when you have a need to take sick time off. If you have a, you know, if you fall within the guidelines, family members, um, yourself, or, um, you know, it's many reasons you can get more detail on it from the employee handbook. Dan, I did notice while you're speaking a question came up. Where's the easiest way for people to find the guidelines for sick leave? So it's actually in the employee handbook. If you go to the employment services website and click on employee handbook, you can just do a search for sick accrual or sick time and you'll see different you're going to see different verbiage in there as far as the pay, the leave, um, some of the entitlement, and um, that should answer your questions. And then if you still have further questions, feel, re feel free to reach out to our team. Anyone here can help you with any questions. Thank you, Diane. And uh, note that the, the student sick leave does mirror what we've had as part-time, permanent part-time sick leave for, for a couple of few years now. So um, it, is, uh, it is identical to that uh, particular process. Oh, uh, Diane also got a question for students. Do they request or submit this on Chromos? Yes. So students would be able to request this time off um, in, in their self-service. And am I correct in saying if they've reported to their bosses sick leave, then their, their boss also needs to help make sure that they did appropriately claim it? Correct. So the employee, of course, will need to report the event to their manager and then submit the request for the sick pay and then the manager will receive a notification to approve it. I also see that there's a question, is there a tutorial on how to do this? I believe we should have a tutorial out on the foundation website and some of our training videos. I will confirm that and if we do not have one, then we will prepare one. Oh, I see Jennifer said yes, it's there. So. And Jennifer would know she recorded many of the videos. So. <laughs> yeah. And even if you're still having a problem with trying to submit a request, um, you know, feel free to reach out with any questions and we can help you with that. What is the likelihood of foundation departments being outsourced? Outsourcing is a, a tough subject, uh, most definitely. Um, but we do already have a history of outsourcing things like tree trimming, uh, some of our cleaning functions. We also outsource items like landscaping and other activities to the university. Uh, the university in turn essentially outsources functions to us as a, as a separate company, how we're built. I'll assume, if I may, that the question is primarily focused on dining and bookstore. Uh, first, I'll say that a number of dining and bookstore operations uh, out there in other universities 
are better off being outsourced. I've seen some that are poorly managed, uh, often subpar products, uh, show little concern for the customer experience. But I can emphatically say that is not us. Um, we, we must continue to be the kind of partner our university cannot envision being without. We must be more convenient, easier, friendlier, and, and better than they expect. Uh, when people talk about the foundation, it needs to be, I love working with them. Um, we need to always find every reason to say yes. When yes isn't possible, because obviously yes is not always possible, we need to find alternatives that, that we can offer and bring to the table to make sure we're doing our part to, to provide that optimal interaction with us. Um, my experience firmly shows that the best run dining and bookstore operations are always self-op. It allows us to customize ourselves and our offering to best fit the university, and in our case, obviously, Cal Poly Pomona. Know that if I am ever critical of something and, and I'm guilty of having very high expectations. It comes from a place of support so that we can get better together. So really, in summary, uh, keep doing the best you can out there uh, so I can keep bragging about how awesome you are. Uh, we, we're a, a self-op organization for the most part that I am, am again, very proud of. Um, I have every intention for us to be not only the best self-op in the nation, but absolutely the best self-op that we can be for Cal Poly Pomona. All right, and that concludes part one of this town hall meeting recap. Special thanks to Jenny Dennis for her assistance in getting this recap together. And just a reminder that part two of this recap will be coming out next week. So until then, take care everyone and be safe. Foundation 411 is produced by the Cal Poly Pomona Marketing Department. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me, Darren Yasumoto. For more information on Cal Poly Pomona Foundation, please visit foundation.cpp.edu.